Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's Chris Howard here with you once again. Lovely listener. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Today's podcast is going to be an interesting one. I have a new partner in crime. She's making her debut on the podcast. It's Emily Fryer Ems. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Excited to be here excited to talk about a really interesting topic which is going to be around internal and global mobility and I'm going to bring our guest in in a second but before we do that I just wanted to frame a little bit as to why we're doing this podcast so I spoke to our guest probably about five six weeks ago at the time of recording and what I was talking about was our one big thing campaign so we launched for those of you that maybe are listening for the first time or haven't heard of the one big thing campaign we actually launched that in October 2022 and what we did is we went out to 30 CPOs of varying different businesses that collectively represent over half a million employees. And we said to them, what is your one big thing? What is your big strategic pressing issue that's keeping you up at night that you're thinking about for the next 12, 18, 24 months? So we got that feedback and we we did a, a focus group and we did a lot of kind of one-to-one interview questions with, uh, with a number of CPOs from a variety of different industry sectors. And they came back with some interesting responses. And we have a top three. You can download and, and read the actual report on our website, lacepartners.co.uk, where you can find more about the One Big Thing campaign. You can see that within our white paper section. And we got three main bits of feedback, one of which was around employer value proposition. We may end up touching on some of that today. One of them was about flexible, more importantly, hybrid working. You know, how do I deal with hybrid working moving forward? And the third one, which is one of the key sort of focuses and why I wanted to get our guest in today, was around talent. Finding talent, retaining talent, tapping into talent pools that perhaps organizations aren't aware of, or they are aware of them, but they know that they don't make the most of them. And at this juncture, I've been talking for a good three or four minutes without introducing our guest, which is terrible podcast etiquette for me. So I'm going to introduce him now. It's Tom Baker, who is the Head of Talent and Resourcing at M&G PLC. Tom, how are you, sir? Very good. Thank you, Chris. Very good indeed. Thanks. And thanks for having me on the podcast. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. I bet you were sitting there for the opening uh, intro thinking, I wonder if he's actually going to allow me to talk or whether he's just going to spend the next 30 minutes talking. I promise you that won't be the case. We will get your insights on this fascinating topic, certainly. Very welcome and uh, yeah, happy to contribute. Lovely. So before we talk about some of the issues or some of the you know, some of your thoughts around internal mobility, global mobility, and we'll get Emily in as well, because Emily from Lace Partners has done a few projects on that as well. So she's a, an expert too. Should we just do a little bit of a, almost a, a mic checker, who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. So if you can explain to our lovely listeners your role as head of talent and resourcing at MNG, and then a little bit for those people who may or may not be aware about MNG, who they are as a business too. 
Sure, yep, very happy to. So, yep, Tom Baker, uh, the title's Head of Talent and Resourcing at M&G. That incorporates really all the recruitment aspects from executive board level right down to entry analyst level. It also incorporates the early careers quotient of, of that. So all things to do, graduate, internship and apprenticeship in terms of creating that nascent pipeline of, of early in career talent. And then finally, the other aspect is the talent offering, where we focus separately from sort of learning and development in the sense of the, the talent for the few, the, the individual sort of specific accelerating interventions, particularly at the moment focused on the top two or three levels of the organisation and executive capability and leadership talent, but indeed connecting the dots all the way through to the early careers. What is the spine of future potential capabilities we need to develop in both in our leaders and throughout the organisation to create that sort of um, escalator and runway of, of opportunity? So that's my role at M&G. And I've been in that sort of talent, particularly talent acquisition space for about 25 years, most of it PLC, heavily financial services or indeed FMCG. So it's been a, an area of passion for some time now. You asked about M&G PLC. Very quickly, it's M&G is a savings investment company. We have over a third of a billion pounds under management and about shy of 6,000 employees globally. In essence, it's a company that provides a range of long-term savings, investments and asset management solutions in a nutshell. And we manage long-term savings, investments and offer life insurance products to uh, millions of retail customers customers well known in the UK through our sort of heritage brand of Prudential, if you like, as well as investments for individuals and large institutional investors as well. So we operate in about 22 markets internationally, and we service customers in about 28 markets globally and headquartered out of the London in the UK. So an organisation that really is in a sweet spot at the moment where people are thinking about their futures, whether it be institutionally or, or personally. Perfect. Now, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how talent was one of these one big things of our our CPOs. Um, I do want to get specifically, and I'm going to let Emily ask the first question on internal and global mobility in a second, but I do want to get specifically into that. But before we do that, can I just kind of get your view as to that as a bit of feedback, did that surprise? Does that surprise you that CPO, CPOs from a whole range of businesses are saying that? And also, just the general viewers to talent the marketplace. What's happening out there at the moment? Um, no, it, it doesn't surprise me. I probably was expecting to maybe see a, a particular word come through in conjunction with that in terms of skills and talent. If I was if I was being be honest, but it's certainly not because we've seen through a very you know different couple of years what the impact that global events and pandemics have had on workforces but also seen as we've coming coming away from that that there is an unusual scenario happening right now with the, the the macroeconomic effect. You usually see the jaws of supply and demand of talent sort of narrow, i.e. you usually expect to see unemployment rates head northwards, whilst we're seeing still some of the, the lowest unemployment rates, sub 4% in the UK, that we've seen for a while. Therefore, there's an unusual scenario going on right now, and it is to do with talent. Do organize, Can organization organisations identify and understand their talent needs at the skills and future potential level and the supply of that talent is has not eased now we've all seen art items recently talking about the number of people who are economically inactive i.e they've left the workforce did covid encourage people to take early retirement did the impacts of things like 
Brexit in the uh, European employment economy, particularly for the UK. So we're seeing an unusual scenario that I've seen a couple of you know economic downturns, and you don't see this the jaws looking this wide. So it's not, in short answer not surprising, but I think it goes hand in glove with skills and future skills. P- talent and future skills are are going to be at the at the heart of a lot of CPOs thoughts in the, in the next two to five years. I think. Yeah, certainly, and I can't echo that enough actually from what just the roundtables that we do in the different sectors and the different kind of topic areas that we talk about because we run events quite a lot and it's it's very interesting and I, I even posted something on LinkedIn today which was talking around looking into different types of talent pools such as you know that over 40 some businesses are looking at people over 45 over 55 as a different type of talent pool I was at a, an event which we hosted right at the beginning of the year where a collective of CPOs were effectively saying we need to stop poaching off of each other and just in over inflating wages so yeah. how do we just find other talent and i think that leads us on to the mobility the internal mobility global mobility question and i'm conscious that i haven't given emily any chance to give any thoughts or anything like that but em's just from your perspective just listening to myself and tom there your thoughts around talent market at the moment and then let's lead let's start let's start probing tom around some questions around global mobility Yeah, sure. I think it's super interesting. And I agree, actually, Tom, I was expecting that skills piece to come up and a lot about especially kind of internal skills. How do you build those skills? If it's hard to get it in the market wider, then how do we get that internally? Kind of how do we build those skills? How do we ensure that we're keeping our employees? And interesting as well that you were saying about kind of how that internal mobility is sort of focused on the top levels of the business. So how then do we filter that down and ensure that we get that longevity out of out of our employees as well. So I think there's loads of interesting points there in the wider market. Um, internal mobility is definitely going to kind of keep coming, keep raising its head, keep coming to the forefront. So I guess that sort of leads to our first question then. So do you think, Tom, that businesses are leveraging this enough as a talent strategy, internal mobility? I think organisations are waking up to it. I attended an event the end of the week before last with actually a good number of very senior peers across the sort of uh, European sort of PLC spectrum. And it was interesting, actually, it was it was an, attend- an event um Josh Burson actually was was we were talking with and saying that the average sort of level of fulfilment of opportunities on an annual basis tends to be around this sort of 30 to 33% being internally uh, fulfilled. You know, that could be permanent or indeed fixed term or the secondment opportunities. And it was thinking there needs to be more emphasis on this because of the paucity of external supply or indeed the recognition that your retention and engagement comes from people are looking for, you know, new challenges. I I saw an interesting survey about, you know, early in careers, what what motivates most. And uh, it was interesting. The flexibility hybrid did come up number one. Reward and compensation came number two. And then, you know, opportunity for advancement three. And I think probably social purpose and cause number four. So I think there's still a a way to go for organisations to start to think how they can offer opportunity to individuals because they want that retention they want to reduce attrition and therefore there is something to go with if you can't you know buy it then build it as it were you'll have probably heard of a a classic sort of uh, phrase within workforce planning it's you know you come out with a build buy borrow model buying is recruitment borrowing is you know often leasing contractors or consultants but the build is about developing from within and that goes hand in glove with internal mobility 
Now, we've had, a, I think last year, something like 47% of all of our opportunities were fulfilled internally. Do I think we're doing, because that's above that 33% benchmark the others seem to have, I don't necessarily think I'm not going to be sat here all gleeful. It, is it by some great internal mobility design? I, I'm not sure. I think we're doing some good things regarding our engagement model at an organisational level. And culturally, we're an organisation people want to stay at. We have a lower than average attrition rate for financial services and FTSE PLC. But it actually, it's it's about showing people that they can build and retain their career without having to trade up. Now, there is one challenge within that is that, you know, the, the, the stat that people often point at is if you want the largest pay increase, you move company. And organisations can't mm. usually match that level of year-on-year salary review, although some are trying right now in, in public sector mm. with the uh, with the cost of living and inflationary rates, but uh, that's that's for a different sort different organisation. So I do think that organizations are realizing the cost of acquisition and the and the time effort and time delay in particular of identifying and sourcing and what might be involved from particularly with european talent now requiring visa or sponsorship in that regard they're having to look from within a lot more both from within the organizations but also as you mentioned chris looking at segments of the external population that might not have been so focused and prevalent so i think Short answer is it it's becoming a, a top of the house agenda along but what goes with it is look at the roles you you looking to fulfill from a skills need so that retraining or development of people into those roles internally becomes a more precedent approach to fulfillment. I think that's the key thing. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's interesting that you said that M&G, you have 47% of your hires internally. I know that's, you said it wasn't like as high as you would like it, but I think that's actually quite a high statistic. So I was just interested in kind of how you think you've achieved that. I know you kind of mentioned about it's generally a nice place to work and people are happy to stay, but in terms of sort of the internal mobility, logistically, how do you think you kind of reach those numbers? Do you advertise all of your roles internally? Do you have any sort of tech that supports that? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to pretend that we've got some sort of world-class workforce planning solution in place or whatever that that, that fulfills that because that wouldn't that wouldn't be fair. I think a couple of things are directly you know directionally determined we 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 do advertise all opportunities internally and encourage that i think actually we've got we can do a better job of that even that's within my gift and so some work i'm doing at the moment off the back of our revised sort of purpose and values and simplification i'm doing some work on branding so part of that we read is to is to give better and clearer messages about opportunities so one is about that you're right we do and we have you know we, we we're based on a workday platform we don't necessarily have any hugely advantageous technology investments to support that although i'd like to look at that as well next year i think secondly is that actually we have some quite although we're a relatively small FTSE plc we have some quite distinctly different businesses i won't go into the detail in structure but in investment management business we're known for in it as the m&g brand but the potential the retail and savings and we're building a wealth business as well and we have a huge because we have quite a unique model. We're an asset owner and an asset investor. So we're becoming very well known for our sustainable investment strategies, the catalyst and the proof fund. So we're quite prevalent at COP27 and 26. So we're at the forefront of sustainable investment. So there's quite a variety of opportunities across even the revenue businesses. We have a big, huge real estate investment business as well. So 
there's a lot of, if you like, different types of opportunity within a relatively small PLC. So I think that's an adding factor. The third part, I think, is I did touch on, I've worked at a number of financial services organisations, some of the biggest in the world and were renowned. And I'm not going to name names, but some of them would probably be seen as being, you know, bigger bonus payers, more uh, sharper edge, sort of cutting edge in some of the things they do. But they all... Every single one of those I worked at was trying to struggle with the conundrum of how do you get keep an engaging culture and a pleasant, you know, driven, successful, but engaging and, and pleasant and flat and, um, you know, organization. MG has that. <laughs> it has, it has a, a culture which is all about respect, being respectful, but being un sort of hierarchical, but being supportive from a well-being perspective, etc. You know, one of my team, he's off on his, he's taken a couple of months full pay paternity leave. You know, he's had his second child, so he can take six if he likes. But it's those sorts of things that actually, if you got that right, you've got the fundamental basis to then look at mechanisms of you know, better upskilling, better technologies to support visibility of opportunity. So I think the fundamental is the culture's got to be right because people don't stay around a culture that they're not enjoying. You know, we've all seen the phrases about, you know, you hire to the brand but fire your manager and, and manager's a representation of how I'm treated as an individual employee. So that stuff is not an easy thing to fix. And I think we have a good basis on that. I'm not saying it's ever perfect, but we have a really good basis there. So I think that's a that's a, a very key part within this. But there's certainly, as you I think you were touching on there early, is is there are tools and technologies now that are trying to surface skills and preferences of individuals to aid that mobility part of it. And that's the next journey of travel. You know, how do you surface and understand the skills in your organization today, as well as be more thoughtful about the ones you need tomorrow and then through either mobility ability and, and trying take a bet on people internally um it, it's it's the right thing to do yeah it's really interesting just as you were talking there i was thinking about that and i actually wrote down like what's stopping some of these businesses is it the system that they've got is it the desire for like line managers because and is it the culture of, of the business that's stopping organizations from or individuals within organizations to, to the fir first thought not being i need to replace somebody or my team's growing and i need somebody to well i will we'll just look for that external talent piece rather than internally so i think that's quite interesting i'm quite interested to get both of your views actually from a how much of this is down to the way in which you encourage line managers to really embrace that idea of the first thing you should be doing is is looking internally i mean we'll start with you tom as the guest and then i'll get yeah. emily's uh emily to, to bolt on some thoughts as well i think it's a very very pertinent point to this because and again and in previous organizations i've worked with is you know, put this this individual, this person's gone, or they've left, or they've you know they exited in some some scenario. The, the best solution must be external. That used to be a very much for a number of organisations. I have to, I have to, I can find the perfect meet to a job profile by going to external market, and that's now becoming a, a very easily challenge, challengeable sort of mindset. And Unfortunately, a number of managers, particularly when you get to mid-senior levels, they've grown up with that, you know, the recruitment agency on a Rolodex is the way that you get people, as opposed, you know, some organisations, they believe in growing their own from ground up all the time. So it's definitely a about taking the, the mindset on the journey. And and, it, and you think about the idiosyncrasies of this is why would you take a bet on somebody who knows nothing about the organisation, never worked within it, that you think is going to be perfect when you've probably got 
75, 80% of that in someone else internally, they might not have exactly the technical skills, but you've got somebody that is a known performer internally. So you think about the the, the lunacy of that, if you like, is thinking it's quite an odd thing to go externally you know, in some way, because people always think I've got to have another one of those absolute identikit mirror because of that job spec, as opposed to I've got great talent here. I need to service it. I need to understand where it is. And I need to be a bit more thoughtful about what is critical in the skill base today in the role versus tomorrow. And, you know, I always say this phrase, you know, take educated bets on people. And they don't typically, um, if, if they know that you're actually taking a bit of a, look, you haven't got everything, but let's give it a go. They want to prove prove to you they can do it. And you'll probably get a good discretionary effort input from that. So, it is an in, you look at the logicality of it, it does seem strange. We've gone through many years of the perfect person must exist outside and being wedded to very something regulated roles. You do need very specific experience, but being wedded to very hard and fast profiles as opposed to what are the underlying skills I need? And then can I develop those in somebody in role or into the role coming into it? But Ellie, I don't know what you think. Yes, I think I agree. I think it's, there's definitely two sides to the coin as well. So there's the line manager that's got that gap in their team that is looking to recruit. But there's also that almost home line manager, if you like, that's got that person in their team that's performing really well. There's that kind of, I guess, like they're not as willing sometimes to let them go. So it's that acceptance that this is for people's development. This is for the greater good of kind of the business and for, for kind of your team. But I think there's that two sides to the coin. There's the recruiting line manager and also the line manager that is currently managing the employee that would be really great for an internal um, mobility opportunity. And there's got to be that acceptance that it's right, it's the right thing to do to support that employee to move. So again, it kind of links back to your point, Tom, about building the culture of accepting internal mobility as as a career path and as a way for employees to build and grow and not as a loss to your team. It's for the, the greater good of the business and the individual's career. I totally agree. That's that you're right. That's the other side of the deal, if you like. Mm. And it's it, and I think I mentioned to you, Chris. There's a phrase I've, I can't rec- I can't quite recall where it. Ca- I remember hearing it first, but you know, talent is yours on loan and not to keep. Yeah, not yours to keep. So you're right. Now, without, without being too sort of you know dreamy and cloud like, thinking, oh, if everybody has believed it's all for the greater good of the organisation, clearly yeah. managers have pressures on their deliverables. But ultimately, if there is you, you should, as a manager, if you know your team, know that you're getting to a point where individuals are starting to give you signals or you're reading it in their performance that they're reaching their sell-by date in your team in that role. It could be another role in the team might be right and they're ready for that, but it happens. So if you hold on from there too long, there's a chance they'll eject and find the job outside the company. And then you've lost, the, you've lost that capability and talent at an organisational level. So... It's not an easy thing, but you started to. I think there's a part of it at MG because that that's about our engagement level. Is it's for the greater, you know, it's for the greater good of if we retain that individual, that skill within the organisation. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of a pain for me losing them from my team at this stage, but then that was going to happen at some stage. It's about getting mm-hmm. that mindset. And I don't think it's a diktat or something you communicate as a as a directive. It has to be sort of a, something that becomes a gradual realisation. And I think, you know, functions like HR can help by feeding in some sort of good, healthy inputs and information about, look, it's for it's for the wider cause. But I think once people see it's reciprocated, 
then it starts to embed itself. It's like I see movement out of my team, but I see movement into my team. And when you start to see and feel that it's actually it's a two-way street, the, you know, you'll always get challenges where somebody's a great manager and they're, they're a great developer of talent and people always go on and upwards. Sometimes some people take great altruistic pleasure in that. You know, they feel that I'm a, you know, I'm a talent creative, but actually organizationally, as it's as it starts to be reciprocated and also it, it allies with this fact of this realism that is coming to bear at the moment around careers aren't linear in one direction they're not up they straight ladder and as people start to and that, hence we're thinking about an idea within early careers around it's actually you know it's because it's being challenged from outside consultancy done it for years you build a bench of capability as opposed to very specific linear programs mm-hmm. and people actually they, they go on tours of duty as you know you've read that phrase before in the concept and because so many things are programmatic and project-based now there's core skills that all of those types of analyst or senior analysts need whether it's data modeling pmo project management but the the the, the topic or the business area of specificity is can change and actually they build up that incremental capability by doing lots of sideways different types of moves so i think that's another coming back to the skills basis of it is that you know the career structures we, we've we've been born with aren't necessarily the ones we're going to mature with uh, you know in terms of fixed sort of od linear patterns it's about actually breadth of technical and organizational understanding as well but more from a with a bit more fluidity given i can't think of one plc at the moment that isn't having some form of transformation going on and i know you guys are at the heart of it from an hr perspective but you know there is a change is constant as that phrase has it isn't it and so there is by that nature lots of things are project or program funded based as opposed to the world of having just fixed operational teams that do the same thing for the next five years is becoming somewhat either automated because it's of the very nature of that therefore what's left is change and program-based work, which allows you to develop skills. So that type of lens on it, when organizations sort of start to realize they've got more fluidity in the nature of the work they're doing rather than fixed fixed structures. Of course, there are always some fixed structures in your revenue teams, you're running funds or your you know, et cetera, but there's becoming a lot more opportunity for fluidity and building those skills. So you're right, Eddie. You know, there's a, there's a give and a get, and that's where managers need to see and feel recipro- you know reciprocity in that uh, in terms of talent moving on, but talent coming back. And again, boomerang talent's another one we're talking about as well, isn't it? You know, whether it's within an organisation or whether it's actually without, as comes back to to it, and that's that's an area a gap I, I've got to work on for us. You know, in terms of alumni, it's something that is definitely coming in, come to the fore as well. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a podcast in itself. I feel like that kind of angle, and we are coming towards the unbelievably. We're coming towards the end of today's podcast. I think Emily's just got one more question, but I just wanted to ask: Do you see that that kind of this idea of pools of talent, that kind of bench talent, as the future blueprint that more businesses will adopt? And do you see that happening? within the immediate future or is this something that we won't see this type of mindset shift for a number of years just a general kind of future thinking question i guess i think you know we've seen that there's some very successful llp consultancies and like that have lived on that that uh, that model uh, very very successfully and profitably 
and and actually when that realization comes from our sort of leading coos and ctos etc and transformation leads that actually there's there is a constant need for a bench of talent it will incrementally come i think it's going to happen in the nascent early career space i think there's and and i'm quite keen to test it where mg in terms of you know having a bench of rather than predetermined you're going on to the finance graduate program and you will do two and a half years rotations in in x y and z you know we're talking about actually we're going to bring you on to a bench of you know project change capability we're going to give you some core skills cool you know toolkit skills in modeling uh, project management pmo core you know fundamental basic technology might be even some basic you know html java whatever it might be because you can use these in a myriad of opportunities Clearly, the, the challenge for organisations is how you manage those benches so that they're fully utilised. You know, you know, it's fulfilment and and hundred percent uptake of of all resources. You don't want you don't have people sat on the touchlines, as it were. So, I think it's going to become something of a an interesting, particularly at the early career side of things. I think that's definitely an, an opportunity to explore because we know that there are organisations out there doing it to two PLCs from the outside in. So, why wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really good point. I was just going to ask maybe a final question. And we talked quite a lot about the business benefit and kind of how internal mobility, internal talent promotion benefits the business. There's obviously a lot as well about how it benefits the employees, which we've spoken about. But I was just wondering, kind of maybe a bit of a nosy question, other than kind of engagement and retention, if you've noticed any other employee benefits at M&G that you've had from that kind of high level um, of internal mobility that you have. I definitely see it. I've, I've actually found it with my team, my wider team. I, I ran through our one voice opinion survey that we that we do, um, and it's been quite impressive on the on the Glint platform that we use. And my team scored almost eleven points above even the company norm and against ex, uh, higher against external external norms. So we had some really good. So we're looking through what are the benefit you know to your question Ellie about what what's coming out out from there and I think particularly in the last three years we've been through the sense of being well-being and being looked after and the element of flexibility is playing strong into it and therefore with the internal mobility fitting into that I think that's coming through it might be a slight byproduct of it but in terms of being looked after there's been opportunity to move forward and to and to be supported in it we've done huge amounts about you know support as our other organizations on well-being and about how you support people but also you know about internal mobility is you think about some of the other bigger life events that people have whether it be illness whether it be having a child as a female or male parent or, or, or non-specified gender it's those life events where you need to sort of take a different move do organizations also support those and i think that those elements are having to become part of the conversation because then it also engenders actually why would i want to go somewhere else that might not have these or they're giving me pretty Pretty much, up, you know, salary is always going to be there. I never ignore it. I, 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 I challenge anybody who says salary is not in the top three in any survey you do somewhere. So don't kid yourselves. And, and we might find it. You know, there'll be there's always somebody can pay better salaries than M and G. That's that's a that's a thing. So therefore. What else is it that actually engenders me to want to look at internal opportunity? Because they provide all of these sorts of other non-fiscal benefits that are important in this world of 
looking after yourself and being able to have a level of self-directive you know flexibility we, we use a phrase around what our simplified purpose is helping people grow and invest their savings uh, investments responsibly is the key word and it's about being responsible as an employer and giving people responsibility as an employee and if you can genuinely meet that sort of uh, you know emotional sort of non non-fiscal contract then that's an important thing absolutely amazing um tom Thank you very much for your time today. We are out of time, sadly, although I feel like Emily and I could probably talk to you for hours. Definitely, uh, but yeah. that's not the format of our podcast. We tend to keep it to about 30 minutes. So, Tom, once again, thank you very much for coming on and joining us today. You're very welcome. I'm very uh, pleased to have uh, been with you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been brilliant having you on. And Emily, first one done. We'll get you on for many more. Partner in Crime, thank you very much. Definitely. Count me in. Really enjoyed it. Lovely. Um, of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You just need to find where you get your podcast. So that is Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're on Apple, iTunes, all of that good stuff. On behalf of myself, Tom and Emily, thank you very much for listening to us today. And we will see you next time on the HR, on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.